Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of the GPS show. We are back here. We had just a couple uh, of episodes where we highlighted the return of sports. We played some of our interviews with student athletes at the high school. Um, you can catch some of them playing in the return seasons this spring. Football, basketball, we'll be broadcasting them on 88 on the bridge whenever possible. So um, thank you, everyone, for listening to those. We will be uh, always here Tuesdays and Fridays from 5 to 6 p.m. on Spotify. Also, you can listen to us to search up the GPS show, and we'll be there. Um, Scott, it's a great time. Uh, surprisingly, this is usually the dead time kind of after football season's over, before the playoffs in the NBA, but it's a great time right now to be um, a sports radio host like us because there's a lot of great stuff to talk about. We're going to get into it all. Um, any any thoughts, anything you would like to give advice or anything? Well, add on, you can also listen to the return to sports interviews on Spotify. And we were gone for two weeks playing those. And the only really big thing that happened, I think you and I can agree on, is that J.J. Watt got traded to the Arizona Cardinals. I think that was the by far the biggest thing that's happened until today. We're going to go over it. But there's, I would say, March 9th is the first day that we've entered the NFL season for next year because there's been some big signings. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of big news surrounding franchise tags. And uh, the main one, though, does not involve a franchise tag. Possibly surprising to a lot of people is Dak Prescott. He signed a four-year, $160 million contract extension with the Dallas Cowboys. He's going to get $75 million dollars in his first year alone there's 95 million guaranteed and that's the money that's the stuff that the players really like uh, that's the big one 95 million dollars guaranteed money going straight to Dak's pocket Scott I think that for the Cowboys this is the right move they wouldn't have been able to really make a a push for a big name in my opinion like Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson just they don't have the right cards to do that and in that division, with the Washington football team looking to be the, the number one team in that division, they still need to figure out their quarterback situation. The Eagles are in turmoil. And who else? The Giants. I mean, the, that's enough said, really. Um, right now, Daniel Jones isn't good enough to win a division, in my opinion. And I think Dak Prescott's good enough to, to get a couple division titles in the next few years. I don't think they should be greedy and, and say that Dak isn't good enough for Dallas just because you're in Dallas and you're in the big market with Jerry Jones. Sometimes being good enough is, is good enough really. Uh, and they need to get younger on defense. They need to find a way to restructure or uh, maybe even move on from Ezekiel Elliott because that contract is detrimental to their team and to their roster. Do you like the overall deal? Who do you think won? Cause obviously Dak won a little bit, but do you think this is a bad deal for the Cowboys or good? I think this was a good deal for the Cowboys. I think Dak Prescott's easily a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I mean, through even though he was out after week four or five of last year, he was a leading passer in the NFL until about week seven when he had already been out for about three games. And so that kind of showed his dominance. He actually was kind of one of those quarterbacks that we saw last year. I think that took a huge stride in his game as a leader too. Um I think the big losers in this are the Cowboys, but it did not start this year. It started in 2019 when they signed Zeke on that six-year, $90 million contract. Because wow. looking back on that, I think we can all agree 
running back should not be paid ninety million. As fun as it is to watch Ezekiel Elliott and Christian McCaffrey, running backs have shown perfectly in Green Bay that they can really. I mean, we've seen AJ Dillon become a force there. So Dak, I think, is a good signing. But I think the Cowboys do have some contract issues. But overall, I think that this was the best possible move the Cowboys could have made this offseason. And going back to that Ezekiel Elliott contract, you're right. There are uh, other running backs in, in the league. There's more than 32 great running backs in the world. And even in Dallas, we saw Tony Pollard take on a bigger role. And sometimes he would have great runs and they would bring in Elliott and he would go for a yard or two every time. It just – the running back position is – in my opinion, the most overvalued in all of sports. And even though I love Christian McCaffrey, uh, I love Derrick Henry, it's still just... Uh, Quarterback's can, the most valuable position, which is why it's MVP every year. Right. You, you, can, you can replicate being a good running back a lot. It's just running and moving. It doesn't... With that said, we are, not, we are not five-star prospect running backs. Well, I mean, you should see me out there on the field. I can do it sometimes. The thing is... Uh, Here's the thing. Being a running back, you don't get better exponentially after a certain number of years. Even guys like Adrian Peterson weren't, aren't now as veterans. They don't have better vision than they did when they were rookies. And so I think that taking advantage of the smaller contracts for the first four or five years and then replenishing after, uh, after you have to pay that, that big cash to the, to the running backs is a, a smarter idea. And I think this is why the Seahawks might let Chris Carson walk. Okay. Final question in terms of Dak Prescott uh, actually is brought back to, of course, like all things are Tom Brady. And we've seen Mahomes last year sign a big contract. We assume next year guys like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen will sign big contracts. Meanwhile, Tom Brady making $25 million a year, 15 less than Dak Prescott is willing to take even more of a pay cut in, in temp. In New England, he was taking pay cuts left and right. Are we going to see a quarterback ever, do you think? Because it's hard to say we're never going to see anyone like Tom Brady again. If the league goes on for, what, a thousand years, there's got to be at least one. Um, I get the close. Right, yeah. There's going to be another incredibly great player. We we might already be seeing it with Patrick Mahomes. But do you think there's going to be someone like Brady where he's just – first of all, he's married to someone that's worth more than him, worth – almost $500 million. That's another part. But do you think you're going to see someone that starts taking pay cuts and understands that making their team better is the most important? Because we haven't seen it with Dak. We're, we're, there's reports we're not going to see it with Lamar. We didn't see it with Mahomes, who might be the closest guy to it. Is there another guy, do you think, ever that's going to realize that making $10 million a year and living a great life and winning Super Bowls is more valuable than making, what, $50 million? I mean, that's a that's a hard question to answer, if I'm being honest, because it's yeah. kind of and we're not in their minds, but with that said, I think what it really comes to is who has that team first mentality. And then, I mean, we've seen players hold off and or hold out, and it kind of shows that they will they prefer the money over the team. Or we've seen players go, okay, I'd rather take the pay cut, kind of like what Leonard Fournette did, where his contract with the Bucks was not a huge contract. It was that he wanted to be in a winning organization. So he said, I'm going to follow Tom Brady, who has seven rings and I'm going to follow where there's greatness with Bruce Arians instead of trying to get a huge contract with the Jaguars, even though they may go two and two. We saw with Cam Newton too. He took 
a small contract to go to. Uh, I would say that one's different though, just because no one wants to sign him. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a, a, a good point. I'm sure there's probably one other team. He would have, I think, taken less money to be with the Patriots in, in a winning organization, though. Okay, Scott. Moving on to another big story. There's a lot of uh, franchise tags, a lot of signs. We'll get into more of them uh, in future shows. Of course, this isn't going to be our last show to talk about free agency. We've got. Uh, We've got this topic for the next six months until the season starts again. But uh, the Seahawks just yesterday released the pass rusher who really turned the defense around, in my opinion. Although it might have not been causation, there was definitely a correlation between Carlos Dunlap signing with the team or getting traded to the team right at the trade deadline and the Seahawks defense starting to improve a lot. And um, it's going to free up $14.1 million in cap space for the Seahawks. This is why they did it. And and they just and they just have announced they will not franchise tag Shaquille Griffin. So, so there's more cap because obviously the franchise tag takes a lot of space. But in the report is they also want to retain him. So I, I think this is where I get into Dunlap. I think with both these players, they're really gonna work on they didn't wanna give them the eighteen million or ten million with the franchise tag, but instead they wanna find a way to sign them to a $5 million or $6 million contract and ultimately in a way that they can, you know, bring more players in, hopefully bring in, as for what I'm hoping, some offensive linemen. Obviously, the biggest name is Patriots guard Joe Thune, who's for sure not going to re-sign because he's hitting free agency. Well, I think that he was a great player, and, and fans shouldn't get, get, shouldn't get confused uh, on releasing a player with releasing a player because he's bad and you don't want him, right? The pass rush was a problem for the first half of the season, and their defense kind of turned around after Dunlap came, like I said. But they have Jamal Adams, they have Jaron Reed, LJ Collier, Puna Ford. I mean, those aren't great guys, but with Jamal Adams, with Blitzboy, as they call him, I mean, and Jaron Reed, who's a great player, I think with those other rotational pieces, they're going to be good enough. And also, Brady Henderson from ESPN pointed out that uh, high-end players right now are going to start becoming available during this during this offseason, specifically because of COVID, because of the salary cap of all teams being lowered. And I think that they're going to get another great defensive lineman pass rusher for a cheaper price than $14.1 million, uh, which gives the Seahawks a lot more leeway to to sign another offensive lineman for Russell Wilson. Those guys are expensive too. You can't forget if you want to get a, a big guy, Trent Williams now out of the conversation, he was traded to the Patriots, which is, you know, this is kind of a day where uh, when I saw that report of Trent Williams, I was like, okay, Bill Belichick, he's a little angry now that Tom Brady is going to Super Bowl. I think the Patriots are going to do some serious work this offseason. They have about $65 million, I believe, in cap space to utilize. I have obviously people think they're going to find a way to draft a quarterback, most likely Zach Wilson, if they are willing to trade up for him. Wow, that would be crazy. And who I mean, you, who do you think that they end up with? Quick question: The Patriots, if you were to say going into day one, that's that's a hard one. I don't think they're going to trade for a quarterback. The only true QBs I think anyone would trade for on the market are Russ Wilson and used to be Dak, but now Dak's off the market with this contract, unless we see something out of this world. And Russ Wilson, I think, is really going to be a Seahawk or a Bear. 
I think he's not going to be. I, I, Russell Wilson's going to stay with Seattle. We've talked about it so much. I think that they'll find a way to work it out. I mean, I would see for the Patriots, a guy like Sam or Darnold. Trey, or Trey yeah, maybe they draft a guy. I think maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, they, there are reports that he is their guy. The Patriots, they want to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Sam Darnold is another guy that um, kind of fits Bill Belichick's tough defense. You know what I mean by strong uh, quarterback that can stand in the pocket, doesn't need perfect weapons, can kind of make a play by himself. Um, Cam Newton could come back for another year. There's a lot of things that the Patriots could do. But, Scott, while the offseason in the NFL is very exciting this year, we're glad it is because uh, it gives us something to talk about every single day. But this weekend on Sunday was the shortened version of All-Star Weekend. Let me first say, I think the NBA should really think about keeping the All-Star Weekend uh, condensed like they did this week with the NBA dunk contest at halftime with the three-point shootout right before. I think that made it a lot more exciting, a lot more fun to watch as one singular event versus some crazy uh, three-day thing that you have to – I'm not going to watch the slam dunk contest alone with no game afterwards. I think it was great to have it at halftime, a shortened version. And, um, Scott, the thing I want to ask you is who do you think were – the winners and losers. Give me one winner and one loser of All-Star Weekend. Well, winner, I'm going to have to go with Steph Curry. Yeah. Um, I think he was the highlight. Or honestly, I'm going to change my answer. I'm going to go LeBron. Best best All-Star GM. Yeah. He, he's going to be a GM in one day. We already seen it with Michael Jordan. He's pouring out what? You see, Michael Jordan's a GM, or he's not a GM, he's an owner, but he's got some say in the organization. Maybe LeBron's going to try to one-up one up him in that uh, after he's done with his career. I would say the winner is LeBron just because of that. Losers, I think I would have, I mean, and beating Simmons, I think it was, I think this All-Star game was a lot of the players didn't even want to play in the first place. That was publicly announced. Kind of the biggest name that they had was Paul George. He was like, I'm here for the fans. I don't really want to be here myself. Um, and I mean, it's kind of devastating for them. MB was about to be the starter, and he was the first or second or fourth pick, sorry, and he couldn't play. So I'll go him. For me, winner, I mean, Steph Curry, obviously, he won the three-point contest. It was only a second time winning it. And I think for Steph Curry, that has uh, actually a bigger impact impact on his legacy than people think because – there's no way you can doubt that he's the greatest shooter of all time now, in my opinion, with two championships in that contest. Also, Damian Lillard, he had the game-winning shot. He had 30-plus points. And then as a loser, I'm actually going to do a couple surprising ones. I think LeBron might be one of the losers because he only played, what, 15 minutes in the entire All-Star game. He could kind of see that he was a little bit out of place in the end of that game. Another loser, which is... Out of place, he had the most All-Star votes. I mean... Yeah, but he's he, it showed his age a little bit. For the, he's not immortal. That showed that he wasn't immortal. That he was sitting watching the young guys. He was like a dad that just was done. You know, he was done with his playing days, and he was just watching his kids play. That's what it felt like watching Luca, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry just going out there and hitting long range bombs. He was just kind of sitting on the bench. Maybe he did a dunk or two. Another loser for me um, is I think Scott. You might be very upset with me, but I think it might be Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I texted you this when I was watching the game, but he was just kind of boring. 
You know, he, he won the MVP. He had a lot of points. His two, three point people were like, oh, he made two, three pointers. He wasn't just shooting layups. He banked in both of them. Uh, and they were just lucky. And the rest of his plays were just him going in for a layup that no one was defending or dunking it. And I'm, it wasn't. I'm, I'm going to disagree with you on that solely because he actually tried, which is something that. That's I like. lame. Trying in the all-star game is not cool to me. Try, you can try like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard and Luka Doncic and those guys try, which is just making it exciting, shooting half-court shots, doing crazy dribble moves. I don't think that that doing layups and easy dunks when you're seven foot and you're the best athletic player in the league is exciting to me or good content. And I think he was just trying to prove something and he kind of felt like we get it. You can make a layup. That's what I thought. I, I would disagree with that. I think it was, I mean, he's, he was showing what he's done. I mean, it's what he does in the NBA games too. Exactly. That's exactly why I think I want him to, you play to your strengths. You play to your strengths, and that's what he did. He actually even shot some threes, and he was having fun, which is something I don't think we've seen. We haven't been able – that was really the first time I think we've seen Giannis just having pure fun. I think because I'm a Giannis fan. So, I don't want to hate so him. Much, so much of the time we see Giannis single-handedly really running the Bucks entire – not even just the team, the entire organization because – Let's be honest, we would not be talking about Milwaukee if Giannis was not there. We've talked about that when he had his contract up and how Milwaukee would become, as what LeBron said, kind of what the Utah Jazz were, where they were just kind of irrelevant and no one played with them in NBA 2K. And so I think that Giannis kind of showed why he kind of brought that excitement, and I was found of that. And I do want to make a statement regarding what you said. Steph Curry is one of the top three most influential players in NBA history. Yeah, for sure. And, and here's why I can say that. If we went back even 10 to 15 years, you could not tell me that there would be 72 threes in the All-Star game, that there would be, they would end on a three-pointer. And it would, I mean, he's revolutionized the game so much that we even see a seven-foot Giannis shooting two threes. They they entered in that extra, the Mountain Dew point contest. Yeah, the Mountain Dew three point line ten feet back because of him, and he get and and he showed why they added in for him because he made them. And I mean, you're right. Not just in the All Star game either. We've seen the NBA now. If you watch a regular season NBA game, it's pretty much it pretty much looks like the All Star game ten years ago. There's so many three pointers, and and now the All Star games obviously have even more of that. It's I think it's an exaggerated. display what the NBA has become, which is a three-point barrage. But Scott, before we close out the show, we wanted to do something fun here. And I think that um, for those of you who don't know, I'm trying to introduce this in a way that uh, I had to realize that many people, including myself, are a little bit confused on what this thing called Top Shot is. And it's kind of taken over the NBA world recently in terms of fans. uh, And it was really popular it still is. They're talking about it on Inside the NBA. Mark Cuban's talking about it. There's there's a lot of stuff that's going on with this Top Shot thing, which is pretty much, imagine you have a sports card. If, you, if you're listening to this uh, and you're not quite you know, tech savvy, 
like maybe Scott and I are. We'll, we'll say that a little bit. We're, I think we can kind of understand this. It's like, imagine getting a card, just a regular playing card with a photo on it. And you trade that with your friends. You're having fun with it. But now with the internet, you can, instead of having the card on a piece of cardboard and paper, you can now move that card online. And instead of just having a picture of a player, it's now a little short video that plays when you open up the card online. And different cards go for different prices with a cooler play being worth more. Some of them are in hundreds of thousands of dollars. This is a, in reality, it's a cryptocurrency that's being shown as a card collecting thing because prices fluctuate. It's, it's kind of just a, a miniature market. And that, that's the idea of it. That's the gist. I think, did I explain that well enough, Scott? The, it used to be that you could buy, you know, the top packs. And now that's what it is, is it's the same thing. Just now it's a little longer plays instead of it being as on cardboard, as you said, it's a real life play. And I think, I mean, for example, you could buy Steph Curry hitting the final three in the all-star three-point contest. Right. So that's that's the idea of it. And so we thought it'd be fun because we've never done something like this is I'm, I have eight plays here and they um, are some of the most famous plays in my opinion of all time. And we're just going to do a quick little draft of who we'd pick in a top shot thing. So picture it like you have your playing cards, you and your friends go out there and you draft, you trade, which one would you want the most? So we have the first one, our only real historical one is Michael Jordan's game six shot against the Utah Jazz in his final finals game. And then we have we're really ranking our favorite eight. Players. Yeah, we're, we're ranking our favorite plays of all time or in recent memory besides Michael Jordan. And then we have Steph Curry, the shot against Oklahoma City uh, in overtime from way downtown. Mike Breen, Mike Breen, way downtown. Bang, you know, that one, Steph Curry. You've got the little block. Not much more to be said about that. Game finals, game seven, LeBron. We've got the Jeremy Lin game winner versus Toronto, kind of the peak of Lin's sanity. I think that's kind of a fun one. We've got Kawhi Leonard's game winner against the uh, Philadelphia 76ers in game seven. We've Ray got Allen game winner against yeah, the Spurs. Ray Allen, that's the one you're game six about. finals against the Spurs. We've got Dame time. They're up 3 1. They, they wave goodbye to Oklahoma City. Damian Lillard's game winner there. And then finally, we have LeBron James just going ham on Jason Terry. Uh, I think that was also, no, that was Mike Tirico, where it's like Chalmers, Cole, James. We've got that one. Okay. Over him, yeah. LeBron is in two of these. Michael Jordan's only in one. I think that explains why Michael's or why LeBron's the GOAT. Okay. So I'll get as he's actually in three, if you really want to get hypothetical, Ray Allen. He did miss. Oh, yeah, he was. He, he was on that missed the shot that a lot. That's how good he is. He missed the shot. Just say Ray Allen could be on this list. Okay. So as a gentleman, I'll let you pick first out of these eight picks. We'll just switch off. And um, okay, you go first. You know, cards are always best when they're historic. We've seen that the cards always sell for a high price. Like you get a Cal Ripken card in baseball, you know, it's going to be pretty good you get a current Mike Trout card, it might not sell for as much. So I'm going to start off by taking the Michael Jordan game six shot. I think there's some there's some historic value to it, and it's got a high price. Okay, this actually pains me because I'm not a bandwagon. Everyone, please sh- shut up about that, please. I'm not a bandwagon. 
Dave has been a Warriors fan since KD entered no. the arena. And stop, stop. That's not true. Obviously, that's not true. No one believes that. But I'm going with the LeBlanc. I think it's such a famous play. Game seven, down 3-1. I mean, it's LeBron. It's his iconic moment for Cleveland. I got to go with LeBron James block. As no, that, my was my next, that was my next pick. Yeah, um, I'm going to go next one. I think I have to go. This I'm, I'm torn between two, but I'm going to go with Dame time against OKC solely because I think that's the defining moment in his career. I think as whenever anyone thinks of Damian Lillard, that's really the first thing that comes to your head. And there's been so many memes and photos about it. I mean, even this past All-Star weekend, the re- there was a tweet that um, Paul uh, convo between Paul George and Damian Lillard that had came up, and it came up this past weekend. So it's sh- so it shows it's still very relevant even in today's NBA game. Everyone thinks about Damian Lillard as Dame time because of that shot. All right, next one for me, I'm gonna go with Ray Allen's game winner against the Spurs. Half the fans left the arena. They thought the finals were over. They thought the Spurs had won. And then uh, Ray Allen, rebound Bosch, back out to Allen, history pointer. Bang. Got to go with it. I mean, come on. It's iconic. He puts his arms up. The whiteout in the crowd. The fans jump up. They start cheering. So I'll go with Ray Allen. Especially as a card, as a little, a little gif to have the fans rising up. You know, I think that's pretty cool. I'm going to go next with the Kawhi Leonard game winner. Mm. I think that may be, that was by far the most iconic shot that postseason. Um, it also felt like the slowest shot, but I think that's what kind of made it iconic is that, I mean, there was even the announcer's pause, which is something you don't really hear on a yeah. final second shot. And I can just see the image of him kind of squatting. Right. As soon as it goes in, you see Joel and me go crying into the locker room. <laughs> they would add that. That's a specialty. The post locker room, the last so I, clip. I think it, it won the Toronto Raptors their first championship. They traded away a huge centerpiece in DeMar DeRozan for him. And that shot kind of idolized everything Leonard meant to Toronto. All right. This might be an early pick for this one, but I'm going to go with Lynn Sanity. I mean, it took over the NBA. It's kind of a dark era, a little bit. Uh, That's almost as bad as Kevin Durant taking Kyrie first overall. In the oh no 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 no! You're disrespecting Jeremy Lin, and it's not okay because for a while he took over the league. I think it's kind of like, you know how some cards aren't the best player, but they're worth more. I think that's kind of what this is like for me. Jeremy Lin, game winner versus Toronto. I still rewatch clips of of Lin's sanity because he just took over Madison Square Garden. I think that's another big part of it. Even though it was on the road uh, in Toronto, I can picture it still. He just steps up. He's got the death stare, and he just knocks it down. Turns around puts his arm up i i think you know he looks away like a stone cold assassin talking about with jeremy lynn we've got now okay let me let me quickly list off who what's left so we've we've each had what three picks so we have steph curry's shot against oklahoma city uh in overtime to win the game and and the james dunk over jason terry and we have lebron james over jason terry and i have the pick so you're you're left with what i leave and i'm gonna go with as I said earlier, one of the most revolutional players. I think Jordan's number one. That doesn't mean I think he's the best player. I still think LeBron is. Um, and then LeBron and then Curry for revolutionizing the game. And I think it was one of those shots where 
Curry hit it from way downtown. And I mean, we saw it. It was that shot against OKC. I am I'm buying that card off you. Right. I mean, I'll I'll be happy with LeBron James. That that one actually is probably the most underrated one when you think about it, because the play stolen by Dwayne Wade passes to Chalmers to Cole up. James throws it down. I mean, as as a five second clip, I think that might be one of the best cards we have out here. So I ended up with a pretty nice array of cards. LeBron, the LeBlock, Jeremy Lin's game winner, Ray Allen's game winner, and uh, LeBron's dunk over Jason Terry, Chalmers, Cole, James. Okay. Now Scott's got Damian Lillard versus OKC, Kawhi Leonard. I have a thing against OKC, I guess. Maybe because they used to be this (laughs) Seattle Supersonics. Yeah, that's true. You have the Kawhi Leonard game winner against Philadelphia. You've got Steph Curry against... Oklahoma City and then Michael Jordan that one's pretty cool game six against the Jazz the push off the step back and uh six finals for for the GOAT so there you go thank you for listening to the GPS show you can also listen to us on Spotify we have all new content coming for you on Friday we're going to be talking about free agency and where can we see maybe the next Megatron receiver go